Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry. We've got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Mark Verstehen, founder and CEO of Recapped. Now, as a sales leader, I don't have to tell you that B2B sales has become incredibly complicated. More people are involved in decision-making than ever before, and getting consensus from 8, 12, or even more people in the buying process got even more complicated when the business world turned virtual overnight. Recapped helps sales teams solve this. Recapped helps sales teams create collaborative experiences with clients to help simplify the process in a really simple and interactive way. My favorite application of the Recap solution is in creating mutual close plans with buyers and sellers. Mark and his team have built a tool that is already helping over 1,500 businesses add method to the madness of the mutual close plan. Mark has a great track record as a salesperson and as a sales leader, and his company is seeing some really exciting growth right now. Now, after speaking with Mark a couple times and learning more about what they're doing to help, especially around this mutual close plan, I thought that timing was perfect to bring his insights to, the, to, to our listeners around this close plan concept and how we use it as a strategic tool in B2B sales, because I think this is something every single sales leader can benefit from. Listen, Mark is an experienced sales leader. He's serving other high growth sales teams just like yours. And on top of it all, he's a terrific guy that I'm excited to introduce to each of you. Mark, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. My pleasure, Rob. What an intro. Thanks so much. Glad hey, man. I, no, I'm glad to have you on here. I, uh, I'm really excited about our topic and, and I really think that it yeah. couldn't be more timely than it is, is right now. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you carving out some time for, for our listeners. No, yeah, of course. I mean, I think right now we're going into Q4, right after, for most teams, a horrendous Q1 and Q2. Now every single deal matters, right? So I think it's the absolute perfect timing. And it's, it's one of those things that people always kind of forget about because it's just the way we've always done business or whatever. But it really, I think, close plans and collaborative selling just in general is a superpower when it's used properly. So really glad to talk about this topic. So let's get into it. Before we get into it, I, I want to start by just introduce recaps to our, to our listeners. I, you know, just give you a chance to kind of share who you are and what you do for customers. Yeah, absolutely. So we're the first sales collaboration platform. And that's just a really fancy way of saying we allow sales teams and their clients to collaborate together on next steps, contracts, content, whatever, so that there's no surprises from the first call all the way through the close and all the way through implementation and renewals. Love it. And, and I've seen it. It's, it's a pretty slick uh, application that's very easy to use. And I, and I like how it helps you scale the concept of what's next. And while we aren't here to like, I don't, I'm, I mean, what I'm really excited about is how you are using this to, to move deals along. But what I also want to talk about before we get started is if you could just share a little bit about your story. I love your story. You know, you're one of the few that feels like you were born to be in sales. Uh, <laughs> most people that I talk to kind of are accidentally involved, but, but I like your story. Can you just share a little bit about how you kind of got started and how that led you to founding Recaps? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, immigrated here from Russia back in like 96 as a kid. So for us, I mean, when we, you know, just full transparency, like when we moved here, like we weren't super well off, right? So it was always hustling, mm -hmm. doing anything to really make a buck. Um, and so I think sales kind of became ingrained in me from an early stage, right? Like I was selling mixed CDs and gum on the school bus and like, whatever I could, I right? always hustling. And my dad was in sales, the car sales all his life. And um, pretty much my whole like high school was either you find a job or you're going to come work for me at the dealership. 
And those were like the only two options. And I really loved the way he approached sales, which wasn't this like typical car salesy, you know, let me push something down your throat. Let me like convince you. It's let me solve your problem and whatever your problem is. And if I'm not the one to do it, great. Uh, here, I'll make a recommendation. You should go talk to this other competitive dealership. And it's just a really human experience and like helping the other person solve whatever pain, especially if it's a really strong pain, kind of was pretty monumental for me. So after graduating college, I started a company called Citrix. Uh, it was an incredible sales experience. It was actually a startup that got acquired by Citrix. Mm-hmm. Um, right time, right place, got promoted like six times my first year. Moved nice. into sales management. Uh, knew that I wanted to eventually own my own company. So I wanted to learn how to manage people, how to hire, financials, all the bullshit that you don't get, you know, just being a typical AE. And uh, that moved me into San Francisco where I became a VP of sales at a startup and ended up quitting that uh, to found Recapped uh, once we started getting some traction um, on the side, right? It started out as a small project. And next thing you know, I'm quitting my really well-paying job to work for free, so. And as they say, the rest is history. And I do know about that as a founder of a company, that first part, everybody, you pay everybody but yourself, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I get it. Thank you for sharing that. I love your story. So, so I'm a fan of this idea of the mutual close plan. And I have been for a long time. And I think people kind of get it at face value. Um, I especially see it in more complex sales opportunities that becomes more important. Yep. So how did you figure out this is something you wanted to sink your teeth into? Can, can you share that a little bit as well? Because I want to spend a little time on how leaders can really use these, but, but why you chose this as a place to build a business is interesting to me. Yeah. Well, so back when I was at Citrix right, and we were doing mid-market enterprise deals, I mean, I think most of us as sales leaders have been through this, right? Unless we're doing very transactional deals. Like if you're working a complex deal, let's say 25K and above, right? Usually okay. uh, it gets complicated really quickly, right? There's five, seven, 10 stakeholders. There's timelines you have to manage. And most of the time that you're selling, the person you're selling to isn't actually the one writing off the check. And they probably never even bought a service like yours, right? So compound that with the fact that everyone is remote now. Not only do you have to kind of herd all of these cats, but you have to make sure you have to guide them and you have to enable them to be successful, right? And so I struggled a lot with this when I was a sales rep. And what we did at Citric was we had close plans. And it was really shitty Google Doc version. (laughs) Not even Google Doc, it was Microsoft Word that we would send back and forth. And it would just literally compound and someone would then be working off the old version. And then the, then the dates are off. But what I realized is that sales really at the end of the day is just a project, right? Yeah. And as salespeople, we don't have the training. We don't have the tools. We don't have the certificates to help us project manage like other people do right? right. when it's their career. So what I wanted to do was kind of, I'm very process driven, like very type A. I need to know what's going on because otherwise I have zero focus, right? So really just started out as this obsession for me, especially after losing a couple of deals in the late stage funnel, right? Like losing a deal at the finish line is so much more painful than losing it after a discovery call. Right? right? Yeah. And, but, but when you think about it, like as salespeople, we invest so much time and energy at the top of the funnel and not actually closing a deal, right? Like we have LinkedIn, we have outreach, sales loft, whatever, to get the deal, to get the prospect to show up. And then it's a million emails. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? And so as a VB of sales, I kind of implemented these mutual action plans and we started seeing great results. We started closing deals three weeks faster. We started closing 20% more deals. Um, And it was just a natural evolution from that, right? It paid a couple contractors. They built out a terrible alpha version. Uh, I posted about it on Facebook because I thought it was kind of cool. Next thing you know, like 10 of my sales leader friends are also using it. Uh, and it kind of just spiraled out from that point. All right, Mark. So you just said something. This is a perfect segue to getting into this in some detail. You just dropped a number that I don't want to blow by. Yeah. You said that you saw when you started putting structure around mutual close plan, you saw win rates going up. The number you dropped is 20%. Yeah. In that case, what happens when close plans are used right? You talked about speed happening. They were closing faster, you know, almost a month faster. And you talked yeah. about win rates going up. Double digits, it's double digits, a fair expectation if you get good at close, at, at close plans? 
Absolutely. So let's actually take a step back, right? So if you, if anyone of your listeners has worked at Salesforce, they know this, right? You cannot create an opportunity past a certain stage at Salesforce without having a close plan in place, right? They just do not allow it. Same thing with Adobe, same thing with Microsoft, same thing with the world's best sales organizations, right? The reason for that is because of how impactful they are. And they've been standard practice for the last 20, 30 years. The problem is all of those companies have a billion dollars in their bank and they can afford to really hammer on reps. Whereas the rest of us don't really have those resources, right? Yep. And we can't invest in them. So the reason all of the world's top best companies make mutual action plans a must in the sales process, I think there's really five main points, right? And I think we can dive into what the benefits are of that. But, you know, one is it really provides a framework for every rep to close the deal. Right. If you think about it, you have sales loft or outreach or gong to really drive the framework to get a demo. A close plan does the same thing for actually closing a deal. Right. Now that's super insightful. I don't want to blow by that. I can't wait to hear your other four. Yeah. That's reason enough to do yeah. mutual close plans, right? I mean, it's true. I love what you just said, Mark. We emphasize and we have so many tools to help start opportunities, opportunity origination. Yeah. I think right now, though, the hottest part of sales, at least for me, as I'm working with a lot of sales leaders around the world, right now, the thing I'm seeing most emphasis on is opportunity, um, you know, the opportunity management, coaching, right. opportunity management, whatever you want to call it, right? How yeah. do you help people win? And so yeah. I love that. And so you're right. All of the structure we have cadences, we have sequences, depending on what tool you use, right? We have um, all kinds of scripting. We know it's email one, call one, social media one, collateral piece one, and we go through 15 steps. But you're right. Once we get going, we kind of start to wing it almost, right? Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, then it goes into the black hole and, you know, sales rep does what they do. You know, they put their finger in the air and give me a forecast and uh, that's about it, right? Which is completely ass backwards in my opinion. Like we should be spending most of our resources on ensuring that every deal late stage in the funnel the opportunities, right, actually close, especially now with Q4 coming up after, you know, so while we're still in pandemic, uh, it's, it's more vital than ever in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So I have a kind of my, one of my beliefs is these need to be experiences and we yep. need to transform a customer from a spectator to mm -hmm. a participant. Yeah. And so is, does a good close plan when you're providing this framework for every rep to win and, uh, and I'm burning up notes. I love that you started with this. I may not get to hear three, four, and five, two, three, four, and five, because <laughs> one's so damn good. Um, are, are, does a close plan, if you're going to give them a framework for reps to win, does it need to be something that mobilizes customers and has them become active participants rather uh -huh. than, you know, watching what's happening? A hundred percent. And the reason for that is, and that's what I think the ultimate power of the action plan is that, yes, it's great for sales. Yes, it's great for leadership to forecast. But ultimately, it's a tool for the buyer, right? So Harvard Business Review uh, found that I think it was like 70 or 75% of champions wish they had more information so they could sell up the chain, right? Mm -hmm. So that means every single champion you're working with doesn't feel properly enabled, right? And the reason why maps are such a great step towards enabling them is it really outlines the entire process. Because if you think about it, you're a professional salesperson. You have a process, you rinse and repeat, you run it every single time. But if you talk to 10 different prospects, they're going to have 10 different buying processes. And if they don't know what the next steps are, that deal is going to die, right? And so the plan is just as much for them to realize what happens, what the hurdles are, but really start running everything in parallel so you can multi-thread it. So that way you're not sitting there waiting at checkpoints, waiting for security. Okay, now we start security. No, you should have started security three weeks ago because the close date is in three weeks, right? So and that's kind of the power of the plan ultimately is it's all around the buyer right and if you enable the buyer magic happens right i mean really, just put yourself in the buyer's shoes which one would you rather have like a detailed list of what needs to happen or both sides to be success aka mutual success plan right or a bunch of emails and you know spreadsheets here and there right Let's get to number two, because I, I, I would keep you on number one the whole time. I think yeah. number one, we could easily burn up 45 minutes on. Let's get through the rest of them. And then I know myself well enough. I'm probably going to burn up all of our time just on your top five, to be honest. So that's okay. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm happy to come back for another one. All right. right? Let's do it. Let's get so, to number two. 
Yeah, two. So if you have that framework for every rep, it then standardizes the way you sell, right? Which is incredible because once you standardize this jump to number three, it makes forecasting more predictable, right? If every single one of your reps is selling the same way and has the same framework, you can now accurately forecast deals. And the beauty of a plan is instead of just saying, oh, this deal is 70% to close because it's in stage five in Salesforce, it's, I think this will close four weeks from now because we still have four weeks worth of work. And the task that the client is on is getting the documents back to us or setting up the POC or whatever it is. You can see it on a task by task basis, which you just can't do in the Salesforce because the client's not a part of Salesforce. Right. It's good. Uh, Yep. And then four and five are really, again, going back to the buyer experience, right? Four is if you have a close plan on every single deal, it enables really smooth handoffs to customer success and implementation, right? How often are we, or as customers even, right? We have these great conversations with sales reps for nine months, then we get past the customer success and they ask us all the same questions again, right? That's a terrible customer experience, right? Salesforce found that 80% of buyers value the experience just as much as they value the product. So it doesn't matter if you're rated number one in G2 Crowd, if you fumble or fuck up that handoff, for whatever reason, because there's a million reasons, yeah, that buyer is not going to be happy. And not only are they going to have a dissatisfied look going into the product, they probably won't renew. Well, is that stat 80% they value it equal to the product or they value it more than the product? Equal to the product. Okay. But I believe that for sure. Yeah. I believe that how you sell is probably more important than what you sell. So, Especially today, right? I mean, yeah. everyone is competing. Feature, you know, There's more competitors than ever. Features are so closely aligned. That experience is that X factor. What's number five? Enabling your prospects. I mean, really just giving them an, an amazing buyer journey, right? All uh, of that. That's the most important run is, you know, if you tailor the buying process for them and you outline all the pitfalls that usually happen and educate them, they're going to love you for it because you just made their life easier. And now they're, they get to solve whatever pain they came to you in the first place for. So you get these five things when, so these, these five things are why, and if you do these five things right, you can expect some kind of a measurable improvement in cycle time and, and some kind of a measurable improvement in win rates. And I, I buy the double digit claim probably on both of those. Um, yeah. For sure. So, win rates for sure. Win rates. Um, yeah. So just off, the top of my head, right? I don't want to pitch our product or anything like that, but yeah. just our customers who employ action plans on every single deal, right? They're seeing deals close anywhere from 15 to 25% faster. Wow. And they were talking mid-market enterprise deals, right? 15%, 25% faster. Some are like 30, 40. We don't ever promise those. So, yeah. uh, and then when you do that, when you speed those deals along, you start closing deals 10, 15% faster, or sorry, 10 to 15% more deals because of the velocity of the deal, right? Like we've all been there that, you know, if you're just at the finish line, if you would have closed the deal three days earlier, you would have gotten it, but instead the CRO got fired or uh, some freak accident happened. And all of a sudden now the deal was pushed to Q2, right? Like we've all been there. Yeah, so that happens. That's part of the gig. Yeah. yeah. But if you could just cut a week here, a week there. You eliminate so much of the chance of that happening, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. So I love this and and I'm buying everything that you're laying down right now. So here's my, here's my first question. So you've given me reasons why we should, you've given five things that I don't think any sales leader or salesperson would say, we don't want those five things. (laughs) I hope not. If you don't want those five things, you should go find a different freaking job. Okay. Um, Because those five things are awesome. That's really, really good stuff, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, but my, my first follow-up question to that is, if that's the case, and I have seen plenty of studies that support the claims that you've witnessed, the difference is, like, before I read studies, right now I've got you on here. You look at closed plans and work with companies around the world, over 1,500 companies doing this. So you're seeing firsthand that the studies are true, okay? So you're, you're the person that's seen it firsthand. So why don't more sales teams use it? Why don't more do this? Because I think people pay lip service to it. Why don't more people have it like as part of the DNA and how they sell? So, and this may hurt some feelings, but by by definition, most teams and most people are average, right? And the average team is not creating mutual action, right? Like we say this upfront on, you know, when we do discoveries, like, look, 
if you are not a process-driven team, if you do not believe in sales excellence, we're not going to be a good product for you, right? Because you need that methodology and you need the belief that the buyer experience matters. And if you don't care for that, cool, you know, you probably need to focus more on top funnel. So by average, like we're always selling to the top 10, top 20%, right? And that's because all of this does take extra work, right? It takes reps to ask uncomfortable questions, right? It's much easier to get off a call and say, great, I'll send you an email. It'll have a couple checklists of, you know, bullet points and things that we have to do. It's much harder to say, hey, Rob, when I've dealt with another company of yours, we actually lost the deal at procurement. How does procurement work at your company? Who else needs to be involved? If we manage that, how long will it take, right? Like these are questions that take a lot of effort and most reps and most teams don't want to implement that. So that's kind of where things fall apart. And also like the implementation and like we see a lot of common mistakes people come to us of ways that they've kind of fumbled action plans before and they're like, oh, well we tried it and it, it didn't work. So therefore like it can't work, right? Well, it's like the same thing, right? Like, oh, you tried mail merging out of Microsoft Word 10 years ago. So now you're not going to try to outreach your sales loft. It, it doesn't make sense. So uh, more than happy to dive into kind of the common mistakes we see, but hopefully that answers your question. It's a great, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, like I said, man, I'm burning. My note pages is are, are flipping right now. Um, sorry, I'm writing this down. So what occurs to me as you talk about this, it's, you go, it, it connects back to an earlier comment that you made. The most emphasis and tools and training, but I'm going to also go one step farther. Most process emphasis is around opportunity origination based on what I'm hearing you say. I think you're right. And once they get it going, they don't have as much uh, discipline around opportunity pursuit or opportunity advancement and operate. And, and, and I like this. And so based on all the other things you say, I wrote something down. I want to make, I want to see if you agree with the way I interpreted you. Okay. I yeah. like how you talked about most people are, are average. That's why it's called average. It's what most people are. And our show, the, the sales leadership podcast is about people that are trying to take what the market gives and then some. So we emphasize the, and then some part on this show yeah. and, and what you just told me had me write down something that says closed plans are one of the fastest and easiest ways to go from average to above average. It's one of the easiest ways that you can start capturing the and then some part. Is, would you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah. How hard is it to get people to start doing closed plans? So you gave me good reasons why they don't. Yep. How hard is it to make that change institutionally rather than just here, there, you know, in fact, I'm going to guess it might be easier to do it institutionally than here or there because it might feel weird or one-off if it's a here or there, right? Yeah. Well, so for us, you know, the way we, we only work with companies for the most part of people that are already doing mutual action plans and just want okay. to way of doing it. So now they want um, to scale it better. Got exactly. it. Right. So listen, you have to believe in the process in the first place. We're not going to sit here and teach you the methodology and why you have to do this because not only are we selling, now we're selling two things, right? And that's for us, it's harder as a small startup. For a company though, it's incredibly easy to actually implement it. You just need to be a conscious decision that leadership makes, right? If you sit down and you say, just like any sales methodology or training that you implement, you say, hey, okay, this is sales excellence. We know that the best teams do this. We wanna be the best team, therefore we have to do this. And all of a sudden, you, all you need to do is really start advocating and ensuring that close plans are done on, on every deal. The hard part is there's not really an easy way to roll that out every single time, right? So like, Everyone gets gung-ho on it. They say, great, we're going to put validation in Salesforce so you can't move a deal to stage three without a plan, for example, right? Or that's like the easiest thing to implement. Um, but then reps are spending an hour in Google Docs creating these plans, right? And that's really where it starts falling apart. And that's why teams don't do it, right? Like they, most teams want to do it. They just don't have a good way of doing it, if that makes sense. Let me ask a question about that. So I, I talk a lot when I'm, when I'm working with organizations that I've talked about on the show about concept I call verifiers and it makes for closed plans to be easy. So we have a goal, we have a stage, the goal of the stage. And then I look for what's the physical activity that a customer does that says mission accomplished at that stage. Yep. And then that should drive what the salesperson's activities are. It's, that's backwards. Most people just say salesperson do these things. And then, you know, they call it exit criteria and that's often interpreted as, well, I did these things. Now I'm going to move forward. Yeah. I look for verifiers. And, and so to me, that feels the reason I love what you're talking about is I feel verifiers plug into this closed plan thing really well, because it's about, uh, you know, enabling is the word you used 
uh, a buyer through their journey. So let me ask you a question. I get, I get asked all the time, Rob, can you give me examples of verifiers in late stage? Because I can understand verifiers in early stage. They accepted a calendar appointment or they whatever. But they always tell me they think it's really hard late stage to get verifiers or experiences. I don't think it's as hard as it is, but I'd love to get your take on what kind of experiences do you need to create to, to have a closed plan late stage? And these are like, like one or two, maybe three things that you say, hey, here's some good examples of how closed plans in mid to late stage work. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's some kind of things that you might want to do to you know, enable or, or transform them from a spectator to a participant. I would love your advice on that because you see so many of these things. And I think this yeah. is an important topic. It's a great question. So I think first and foremost, it all goes back to the buyer anymore, right? Like if I can quickly just jump in, right? Like your verifiers are great, right? Like having those in Salesforce, but the customer, I'd say the next level higher that's even more important isn't what the sales rep is doing. It's what the buyer is doing. Right. right? And that's what a closed plan is because you're not going to invite your prospect in the Salesforce, right? So starting there, I think the things that you really start seeing is one is obviously engagement, right? How often are they going in and viewing the close plan? What are they viewing in the close plan? Are they opening the collateral, right? Which takes me to my next point is having, the close plan isn't just the checklist of next steps in our opinion. It's also a single repository for everything that the buyer needs to be successful for their journey. That could be I like contracts, that. contracts and red lines, right? Uh, having a place where the legal team and the, your legal team and theirs can collaborate together, that's really fucking powerful. Yeah, having every case study, the relevant testimonials, YouTube videos, um, you know, previous customers, awards, whatever that the whatever you the buyer needs, having it in one place and easy to access, that's the other thing, right? And then from there, you can start tracking your engagement, seeing, you know, okay, I have these three deals. One of them never gets open, but one of them is being opened twenty times this week, and they're viewing all the worksheets and they're redlining, you know, uploading the red lines and here to us. That's the deal you need to focus on at the end. Of the love quarter. it. I love it. That's, that's good. I, like I said, I, I believe that that's the most overlooked part of every sales process. Everybody tracks what the salespeople do. But what I think is more important is what are the buyers actually doing? And is it creating predictable experiences that helps them want to buy? Exactly. And if they don't, that's great. Let's get them out of the funnel and let's work on opportunities that do. Yeah. What about this? Any common traps that you see salespeople or organizations fall into when they think they're doing it, but they're really not? Ooh, yeah, good question. So I think the most common one is, you know, they think it's kind of a one and done, right? Okay. They, you know, they get scared that a customer won't open up, for example, or, you know, you know, that one of the common things we hear usually from junior AEs is, you know, well, what if my customer doesn't open this? Or what if they won't give me the next details or the next steps? listen, if a champion won't work with you to map this out or push it back on deadlines, you don't have an opportunity. So that's first off. But the can I ask a question about that, Mark? Can, yeah. can we, I, like, cause you just gave me another. So I got to think that the way you introduce this idea to a customer is critical, right? Absolutely. It, it can't just be like, cause like, let's go to proposals, for example. Yeah. I, I don't teach a class on how to write a proposal, but I do teach a class on how to deliver one, right? Yeah. And proposal delivery is something that I think so many reps screw up because yep. most of the time I see people just email it. They run it up the flagpole. They hope someone salutes. They don't understand why when they deliver it, people go into radio <laughs> silence. They just don't yep. understand. It's, it's a head scratcher. So what you just said, you know, well, what if they don't open it? There must be something about introducing the concept of a closed plan. Do you have any insight on how you introduce this concept in a way that helps customers get excited about it? Absolutely. And it, it it's, that's kind of the other really common trap, right? Is like, hey, I'm just going to send this to you with no context, open it up and, you know, let me know if you have any questions, right? You right. don't do that on a proposal. You don't do that on a plan, right? You right. Need to, it needs to be, again, all around the buyer, right? And like when we onboard customers, we give them a little paragraph. It's, it's really simple. It's, hey, Rob, I, you know, I imagine you're probably working with other vendors, you're evaluating. So I want to make your life as easy as possible. So what I've done is I've created this mutual action plan or mutual success plan that's going to outline everything that we need to do that way, because I'm sure you're probably not used to buying X product that I sell or X service. So I want to make your life easier. So I'm going to list out all of this, but also it helps me, 
you know, provide you with the best resources. So let's work through this together, right? Like when I normally work with companies of your size, these are the next steps that usually come up. Does this match your buying process? Are there anything else, right? And if you just say that one paragraph, again, it's all around you. I went out of my way. The customer is going to feel that. And that's that X factor that closes deals. See, I love that. That to me is critical. And I hope every sales leader or rep that's listening to you right now, Mark, is jotting this down. Take notes on this. Because I have to think that when you present something like this that way, a customer's like, okay, this is great. This is a different buying experience. But if it's presented as, in fact, probably I love how you took the word close plan. I'm using close plan, action plan, success plan. I think yeah. you're smart to use those instead because no one wants to feel closed, right? <laughs> um, Here's my commission plan. Right, yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. But the, I, I mean, I got to think that the way you introduce it is the driver of how a customer responds to it. Is that fair to say? It plays a really big part. Uh, like we, we do have some customers that we're still like training, right? Like we keep beating them over the head. I'm like, this is how you introduce it. They just fire it off and they're still getting good engagement. Uh, but again, it really does depend on the buyer, right? Like again, I think not only going back to my earlier point, like having it one and done and forgetting about it, this close plan or this action plan is something you should pull up on every single call. Hey Rob, great. I'm glad we are doing another follow-up call from last week. Here's what I've accomplished. Were you able to accomplish these things? What else do we need to do? Do we need to push the timelines back? That's how you start a great follow-up conversation, right? And if the customer never even engages in the plan, it really doesn't even matter, right? Because it's still, you're pulling it up. You're driving the deal, right? Like at Salesforce, they use internal documents. They don't even care if the customer views it or not. That's a cherry on top, but it still provides the framework and asks the right questions for the buyers to know what the hell needs to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking about this concept of how you introduce it to customers right now, because we've talked about why companies should do it. We've talked about some of the elements that should be there. I love how you talked about what are the experiences that need to happen in order to buy. Uh, I think you talked about timelines and like who does what kind of things to make it easy to have something come through. You talked yeah. about making it feel tailored. So if you've done discovery the right way, in fact, you should tailor your discovery so you can write a good neutral action plan, right? Well, um, if I can stop you right there, yeah, right? Stop a, a good plan, again, isn't just a checklist. It's also, I think there's really three components for us, right? That we see in successful plans. One is obviously the action plan, right? Here's all the things I need to do. Two is the executive summary. This is our call notes. This is what you said you liked, right? So what we usually do is what you tell me on the discovery is what I'm going to put in the plan and use it against you. Now you say you like X feature great, here's X feature and here's the requirements for it, right? And now, six months later, you can't backpedal and say, oh, well, I never actually even said that. It's, no, these are direct quotes. And here's a link to that Zoom call that we had with the transcription that shows that this is what you said, right? And so like tying it all up together, you have to absolutely make it collaborative. Okay, so all those things said, I'm thinking this through. I'm trying to figure out now what the best practice is from your perspective, I love that you said, first of all, we don't even work with people who don't already try to do this. Now they're trying to do it at scale. Yep. I, I'm, I'm thinking about our listeners right now that might not, they like have wanted to do this, but they may have not. Do you have any advice for the, le the, the leaders that are, I don't know, walking the dog or stuck, you know, driving somewhere <laughs> as they listen to you and me right now um, and say, listen, here's like a couple of things that you can do to start institutionalizing this co concept. Absolutely. Any thoughts about how you, you add that to your process and your organization? Yeah. So actually, so um, more than happy to share this, you know, Google sheet template that we created, um, you know, cool. for easy implementation, right? It's maptemplate.recap.io. Go there. If you're doing nothing, at least start with that. It's going to be a good 30, 40% of the way there. The other awesome. thing, so one is you have to make it easy, right? You make it easy for the customer to engage. Don't overcomplicate it. The other thing is too, is you have to start early, right? Doing a plan when you're getting the proposal, it doesn't make any damn sense. You have to start early. So I recommend personally after a verbal agreement, wherever that happens in your process, usually that's after a demo. Uh, it could be after a POC, right? Or as you're gearing up for a POC, uh, especially if you have like a really technical product. But once you get that verbal yes, that they want to move forward the next steps, great. Here's normally the steps. Here's what we recommend. Does this match your bond process, right? So do it early, do it often, and make it easy. And if you do those three things, I think you'll be a good 80% of the way there. 
Truthfully. And then, and then I got to think you got to coach to it. I mean, is that this, this mutual action plan should probably become a really important part of when you're doing one-on-ones or you're doing yeah. opportunity coaching. I mean, it's got to be a crucial part, right? Is there any best practices on using it as a coaching tool? Absolutely. So once you have your team going in and creating those, let's say spreadsheets, right? Or whatever, take those links for those plans and push them back into Salesforce or your CRM. And then when you're doing deal reviews, right, like the way we do deal reviews and we recommend all of our customers and you pull it up and you say, okay, great. Here's our five deals for the quarter. These are the ones over 50 K. This is the ones we're focusing on. What are the next steps? And then you literally dive into each plan and say, Oh, Rob never completed this step. And that was due four days ago, right? Or that was right. the month for it. What's going on there? Do you need my help? Do I need to get executive sponsorship on this? What do we need to do to drive that forward? Versus saying, oh, well, this deal is 70% because it's in stage four. Uh, so cool. So do you think we can move it to stage five? Right? You need to go granular. You need to figure out, right? And it's every sales rep thinks every single deal is going to close December 31st, right? I still do, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're such hoarders naturally, right? And it, yeah. it takes a lot of discipline to say, this shit is never going to close. They're not serious. We're not right. the right solution. If they were serious, we would see a lot of engagement or we'd see velocity in the acceleration of the deal. It's that simple. Right. And really I think, yeah, good. Yeah. A close plan provides that, right? It's, I like how you said use it early, use it often. And, and so your idea, your observations is somewhat, like, honestly, you're the first mutual action plan, like focused expert I've talked to. So I, I'm eating <laughs> this up. Sorry that I'm sitting here because like, I love, I've always oh, loved the concept, but this is really cool to me. Um, when, so when someone said we're ready to like pursue this and, mm-hmm. and give this a run, that's when you say, okay, then let's create like a GPS. Let's create a roadmap to help you get a win here. And exactly. I, I think that that's probably the lens that you want to work through. And you may know what a lot of the experiences need to be, but there probably has to be an element of the rep guiding the, the buyer to say, okay, so in addition to these things, in addition to you, who else do we need to be working with, et cetera. And, and then you document that up and you get it to them. And I, I, I always have treated it like the pre-contract contract. Like yeah. if we can mutually agree on this, we know where it ends, right? It ends yeah. with a happy ending, right? Well, I mean, you, you brought up a really interesting point, right? So let's say you're a sales leader. You have 10 15 reps, right? right? You may have three or so, like eight plus players, right? Everyone else probably going to be B or C. There's nothing wrong with that. The, the reason, I, and I always push for this, is the reason I think a lot of those players are B and C is that they don't have that framework for how to drive a deal forward, right? They don't know which questions to ask. They don't know what the loopholes are, right? So if you could take the process that your A reps are using, right? Like we, we have countless companies coming out and say, we have this problem. You know, three of our reps are creating these action plans on every deal and they're closing deals 30% of the time. Our other reps are closing 20% of the time and they're not, right? So like, how do we clone those best reps? If you can just give the framework because again, that closed plan is not just for the buyers, it's also internally, right? It, it lists out for the sales reps and makes it a no-brainer. It says, oh, hey, these are the five questions I have to ask to right. get a deal to close, right? right? And if you do that, all of a sudden, you're, you're, the rest of your team is getting bumped up, right? And it's not because they're bad reps or because they have bad training. They just don't know any better. So you have to enable them. That's good. Uh, let's we're, 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 we've had, this has been really good. Any other thoughts from you as you think about this idea of mutual action plans, mutual success plans, close plans, as you've been working with organizations on this, any, we've, we've talked about pitfalls. You've, you've already shared how to do it right. Do you have any other kind of thoughts around either why they should do it or, or things that sales leaders, again, we have, we have thousands of sales leaders that are listening to us right now. Is there anything else as as an expert in this that you would suggest to our our listeners as they think about how they can benefit from this? Like right now, that's one of the things I think about, Mark. They can benefit from this tomorrow, right? Today, they can benefit from it. Yeah, 100%. Well, and I think, again, going back to timing, right? It's Q4. This is make or break for the year, considering everything that's gone on in crazy 2020. Every single deal matters, right? And the later it is in the funnel, the more it matters, right? And so you have to give that level of discipline to every single one, right? But I mean, listen, I I think we've hammered a lot of good things, right? Like I think the number one thing is if you have a sales process that's, you know, 10, five to 10K, you know, contract value per year, you probably don't need plans, right? Don't overcomplicate it, sell to your customer. If you do start seeing that 15, 20, 25K, 
50K, 100K, that's when you absolutely need it, right? And so reduce the complexity of those sales processes. Like literally your entire job as a salesperson is to just make it as easy as possible for your customer to sign on the dot and, you know, give you a check, right? Like we have all of these different tools for internal project management and, and you know, helping us move offices and doing whatever, right? But when it comes to a customer giving us a check for 100,000, we're still sending emails and spreadsheets. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it doesn't make any damn sense. So literally just make it as easy as possible. Make it like a B2C checkout, right? Like the reason Amazon is so successful is they made it literally one click to buy. Yeah. Right? Or a really big reason for why they're successful. Obviously you can't do that in enterprise sales, but you can get a lot of the way there, right? So do like the Amazon checkout for your sales process. You're going to close a lot more deals. Your customers are going to be happier for it. That's all there is to it. Like there's no need to overcomplex it. Last question for me. And then we'll go through the wrap up that we do with everyone. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm thinking through, I love what you just said. <clears throat> if it's transactional, if it's lower ticket item, you probably don't need this. The bigger the ticket item, the longer the sales cycle, the more complex it is, probably the more you need this. Okay. I want your, this will be like my last question on this. It seems to me as I've used these kind of uh, structures, these plans, the number one thing right now that this will help you with is people management because uh, people aren't in offices like they used to be. It's harder to have, you can't get everybody in a room like you used to. Uh, Early on as an enterprise salesperson, uh, I'm the, I'm the senior citizen in the conversation between you and me right now, man. (laughs) And, uh, uh, I, I, find, I learned early on in enterprise sales. One of the first things I had to do is find out what votes I had to have yep. and, and what, how do I win even with the votes I can't win. Yep. And um, I got to think that, that mutual action plans might help you the most on people management's the wrong term, but it's like managing or organizing or, or influencing, getting to consensus because I don't think people are doing uh, controversial deals anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that that might be one of the reasons that helps so much because I'm seeing companies have cycle time slow post COVID because it's harder to get consensus right now. Yeah. Can we talk a, like for a minute about that to wrap this? Because I loved how you already wrapped it. But then as you're talking, it occurred to me, the, maybe one of the biggest reasons is it helps with managing all those votes that you have to get, right? Well, that's a hundred percent it, right? I mean, ultimately we talked about at the beginning, right? there's five, seven, 10 different stakeholders on the buyer side, right? How do you get everyone involved and on the same page, right? Well, it's, you make, you hedge the risks and you make it as easy as possible for everyone to give their yes without looking like, you know, without putting their career at jeopardy, right? Because yeah. what you're selling might be the most expensive thing they've ever bought and they are taking a risk, right? So you have to empathize with the buyer. I, I mean, I think absolutely, right? And especially one thing we're seeing now is no matter what size of the deal, whereas before you could probably get a 20K deal under the rug, you know, have a VP put it on a credit card. Now the CFO is double checking every single deal. You have For to have 15, a business right? Yeah. case, yep. right? And if you don't have that business case, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you're not gonna get across the finish line. And again, that's what I think that close plan and that action plan does is it builds a collaborative business case together, right? And so really like what you're enabling the buyer, right? You're giving them the resources to, go back to say and say, Hey, listen, I have done six months of research. I have went with this vendor. In fact, here's six months of work that I've done. Here's all the resources that they've provided for us. Can I get your sign off on procurement, legal security, whoever, right? C-suite, here's all the work that I've already done. Right. And then that makes it easier for them to give their consensus because it's not just, Hey, I, I think we should buy this product. It's $50,000. Can I get a check? right? Yeah. That's not the conversation, right? And the people you're, you're selling to, your champions, they're probably not salespeople, right? So you just spend two hours coaching them through a great call. They're going to summarize it in one sentence and they're probably not going to do a good job at it. You're right. right? That's just the truth of it, right? And we always talk about like so much of selling happens when you're not in the room, right? Most of the selling happens Most. when you're not in the room. And so what do you do? You have to just enable the living shit out of those buyers give them all the tools, give them all the resources and make it as easy as possible. If you do that, that's it. Love it. Perfect way to end that. Okay. You ready? Rapid fire. I finished every single one of these conversations with three questions. You ready? Let's do it, brother. 
Okay, number one, biggest sales leadership problem you're seeing right now and how do you beat it? I think forecasting and pipeline management, like we talked about, and I yeah. think it's digging deep. I think it's figuring out not just what stage of the deal is in, but how, what is the buyer actually doing? Yeah, I think forecast accuracy has been the number one thing. Like, so CSO Insights, uh, Jim Dickey, uh, yeah. now Sales Mastery, they've identified forecast accuracy as the number one challenge for three years running now. And so and the way you beat it, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, besides uh, these action plans, anything else that you would say that helps you beat that? I mean, I think transparency, right? Asking your, your don't not being afraid to ask the customer the hard questions, right? And saying like really digging in and saying, why wouldn't this happen? Or what pitfalls have happened? Like really asking those uncomfortable questions and building that vulnerability and trust. Um, that's something you can do on every single deal. Love it. Great one. That's a really good one. Thank you. Number two, when you're building a team, when you're, when you're hiring people, you've done a bit of this in your career. Um, do you yeah. have a go-to interview concept or question that you use when you're looking to build teams? And when you use that concept or, or question, what are you looking for? Yeah. So there's two go-to questions I ask on every single interview. Um, and at this point I've hired hundreds of reps. Yeah. Uh, so it's one is, do you like to win or do you like to lose? Right. Love or sorry, do you hate to hate lose, to lose or, like, or to like to win? win. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Right. So, and I think the reason for that, like the, both of them come to the same place more or less, but for me personally, I hate to lose. Right. Like winning is great. Right. Winning's great. Cool. But if I'm going against a competitor or if I'm about to lose a deal, fuck that. Right. Like yeah. that gets me going and like noted, like digging in onto the motivations of the rep and seeing how self-aware they are. Cause you have to be very self-aware in sales. Right. I love that question, Mark. I'm on, I'm with you. I'm the hate to lose. I look at competitors, you know, like here's the lens I look through. I respect them obviously, but here's how I look at them. Yeah. These are people that are trying to make it so I can't feed my freaking family. Yeah. That's who they are. They're yeah. trying to make it so I can't, you know, pay for my house. These people are trying to take away my, my life from me. And, and, uh, and yeah. the product you're selling is probably better and you're probably solving the pain more impactfully. <laughs> and so you're letting the customer have this like, suboptimal yeah shittier situation experience. yeah yeah like <laughs> why it doesn't make sense so yeah I, I hate to lose the other question is i always try and be very vulnerable when i do interviews right it's hey listen walk me through the one of the hardest challenges you've had to overcome right it could be outside of personal or it's outside of work it could be personal it could be whatever you want right? and i usually open up with something that i've had to overcome and like we try and build that vulnerability from day one um on those first calls and like some of the responses i've gotten man are incredible like i've had people tell me about you know overcoming cancer or dealing wow. with a, a family death or um you know becoming homeless right because of you know dropping out of college like and when you see that and like that not only are they opening up to you but that builds that trust it has that mutual respect but also you're like oh if they can overcome that they can make 70 calls a day right like it's and i think the previous success is the best success in the future so also great. Last one, man. We found that leaders are readers. And yeah. I don't care if it's books you're turning pages or if you're listening to the Audible or if you want to go bite-sized chunks in today's world as podcasts and blogs, et cetera. Is there anything that you've found that you'd want to share with our listeners that are interested in accelerating their leadership journey? Yeah. So there's three books we make every new hire read. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Right. So one is Influence by Caldini. I think it's a classic. Um, it's, you can read it in an hour. Two, it's been selling. Yeah. Yes, it was written in the 80s for copiers, but still applicable. And three is Challenger customer, right? And that's uh, the kind of the advancement of Challenger sale, right? And I think those three give you kind of the confidence and the framework to work the deal. And then from there, you can always evolve, right? Um, I like your of, holy trinity there, man. That's good. Yeah. And then uh, in terms of leadership, um, one thing I'm reading right now is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Hell of a book. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, written awesome. 2000 years ago, uh, literally could be written today. Uh, and it, it shows that like we really haven't changed that much, but I'm still like halfway through it, but that's been pretty impactful for me. So, okay. That's yeah. perfect. Listen, man, we we've used up our time. This has been a killer. I've loved this conversation. You know, I hope, like, I hope our, our listeners like it. I loved it. This was good for me, man. So, so listen, you're going to have a lot of people that are probably going to want to continue the conversation. Yeah. You've already offered to share uh, a template with people. How do they get more of you? How do they learn more about 
recapped, if they want to continue this conversation around action plans, how do, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to jump on a call, uh, give some recommendations, give some feedback. Uh, that template is maptemplate.recap.io. You can learn more at recap.io. Hit me up on LinkedIn. It's Mark Verstein. Um, spelled pretty weird, but uh, most people will find it. The, uh, my email directly is mark at recap.io. Don't feel free or feel free to, you know, yeah. reach out. Don't hesitate. Um, more than happy. Obviously I'm very passionate about this, right? Yeah. I think, Love it. Um, yeah. More than happy to help any company that's at the right stage yeah. or is curious and just wants to learn more. Right. Listen, his name is Mark Firstan. He is the founder and the CEO of Recapped. He is helping organizations around the world increase win rates by double digit, decrease the cycle time by double digit, and most important, helping these organizations uh, create a buyer experience that they appreciate and they want more of. Mark, this has been an awesome conversation. I am so grateful for you joining me, man. Happy selling. Good luck me. to you. Yeah, likewise. Good luck on the end of the quarter for everybody. And seriously, this is a pleasure, Rob. If no one else listens to it, I had a blast. So thanks. So. <laughs> Take care, man. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, companies spend billions each year on sales training. They spend even more billions on sales tools, tack on a few more, tack on a few more billion on sales process, and you can see just how much is spent each year on helping sales teams sell more. And these investments are important. But these same companies invest almost nothing on training managers to become better coaches and leaders. And that's a really interesting dilemma because so many studies show that the number one thing managers can do to improve performance is to provide better coaching. But my experience has been most managers are never taught how to be a sales leader. It's a very specific discipline that needs very specific training and very specific support. And most of the time, leaders get the job, then they get the team, and then they get the quota. And then they get left on their own. They turn to metrics and dashboards, and they try to put every rep into the same box rather than become the best version of themselves. So if you're in this boat, or you just want to find ways to raise your sales leadership game, you need to check out the Jepson Performance Group. I'm having a blast working with sales leaders looking to raise their game and create impact they've never created. My program helps leaders in three areas. The leadership mindset, the leadership skill set, and how to blend them to create record-setting performance. As you prepare for what will most certainly be a new environment in 2021, every sales leader is going to have to adapt again. And I'm here for you. Whether it's joining my Patreon group, Sales Leadership United, or providing fast-track trainings for new managers, or even custom executive coaching programs, I want to help you create as much impact as possible with the people you lead. If you want to be legendary, hit me up. How you lead matters, and let me help you navigate that sales leadership maze. Now, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mark as much as I ha enjoyed having it with him. I've been a fan of the Mutual Close Plan for a long time. I don't care if you call it a mutual action plan, mutual success plan, or whatever you call it, and I use those names interchangeably, I think it's a tool that not enough teams use. So when I was introduced to Mark, I of course was interested in checking out his tech, and it is fantastic. But I was more interested in getting his insight as someone living every day in the world of helping sales teams start to use mutual close plans effectively. I have a ton of clients that I'm working with, and they're talking to me right now about the need to win now, not 2021. Yes, we're, we're doing lots of like virtual sales academies and, and virtual kickoffs for 21 already, but, but they need to win business now. Several are telling me that they want to kind of quote, tighten up where the reps are spending their time right now. So they're going to win the deals that matter most and make sure their time and energy are focused on those deals that really matter. And when we shift from that talk and we start to evaluate their approach to opportunity coaching, it's mostly a lot of talk and then crossing of fingers and hoping things go their way. So as a result, right now, I am in the thick of helping a ton of teams build mutual closed plans for their teams right now that they're going to leverage this fall and into 2021. And I'm going to just tell you what I think. I, I believe like at my very core as a sales leader and as an individual contributor, 
If you're not using the mutual action plan, you're missing out, period. It's one of the most powerful tools that has helped me as an individual contributor and as a leader. And the numbers Mark shared don't lie. You can expect a double-digit improvement in win rate and a double-digit improvement in cycle time. And those are, those are two of the harder places to get meaningful bumps in a performance situation. They, they can come fast. The other two levers are number of opportunities and revenue per customer. Those are pretty easy to coach improvements in. But those last two of win rate and cycle time, that's harder to do. And that's why I love the mutual action plan. It's really an easy, easy way to transform prospects from spectators to participants. It's an easy, easy way to simplify the buying process. You get everything out early in the buy cycle and it helps the follow-up happen more predictably and frankly, uh, more timely and accurately. So I've got a ton of people that get nervous when it comes to implementing these. You know, they worry if the sales rep's going to be confident. The sales rep wonders if they're going to come across as pushy. Uh, and, and it's been interesting to watch that. And if you fall into this camp that you're nervous about implementing it, I hope you'll hit me up. I want to talk you off that ledge. It'll actually, if you do this right, it'll make the customer appreciate working with you because you help create an easier pathway to success. And most buyers face buyer fatigue, and they also are now are not doing any deals uh, without consensus. And so you can help them achieve consensus faster than you might have thought. So anyway, I, I, I just was excited to share this with you because the numbers that Mark said are, they're just, they just don't lie. 80% of the buyers value the experience the salesperson provides equally to how they value the product. So how you sell is at least as important as what you sell. And if you've been following this podcast long, you know I think it actually matters more than what you sell. And that's why this is so important. So the average salesperson doesn't use these, okay? Or if they do, they don't use them effectively. That's why it's, this is something that helps you be better than average. It's one of the fastest and easiest ways to become better than average. It's a super fast way to differentiate yourself and your company. So, and you don't have to reinvent it. There's a ton of resources out there. Mark has already made his mutual close plan template available for free. I advise you to go hit it up and download it. I've checked it out. I've actually suggested it to some of my customers. Um, and, and if you just do a simple Google search, I've recently done this in the last couple of weeks, several times. You're going to find all kinds of data. You're going to find all kinds of samples and you're going to have the, all you need for, to build a business case on why you should do a mutual close plan and how to do it right. So I think what you'll find is this is something your team can get behind fast. I found that if you let them help architect your close plan, you can create some killer experiences quickly. It's something you can put in place quickly. It's something that can power your coaching sessions around opportunities quickly. And it's something that will allow you to add value to the late stage of the process quickly. And so if you don't have it in your process, add it, do it. If you do have it, review it, update it, um, emphasize it. This is something that will help you and help you fast. Make it mutual, make it action-oriented, and make it tailored, Okay. So let's wrap this one up. Mark gave us killer insights and advice. I really appreciate it. Mark, thank you for opening up your blueprint and sharing ways you've seen the best companies make impact fast. And I should probably say massive impact fast. Remember, mutual, I mean, most, most process is around opportunity origination. Not enough process is around winning. A mutual close plan is the ticket to add process to helping people buy from you in a way they will thank you for. Double-digit improvement in both win rate and cycle times are too big of a deal not to take advantage of. So after you get this one, you know, let me know what happens. I'm super interested to start some mutual close plans with you if you want help. So Mark, thanks for helping us. Your insight to this tactic is fantastic. He's looked at thousands of them, and I'm so glad that he was willing to share this with you. Hit him up if you have questions. At the very least, connect with him and follow him. You'll be glad you did. And to each of you, our listeners, thank you. I can't tell you how much I support your support of the show. Uh, I'm so appreciative to those of you that leave those five-star reviews. And, and if you feel like we're worth it, please give us one. You know, the, there's others that mention us on LinkedIn. And there's others that tell their colleagues to check out the show. Your support is why the show is growing so ridiculously fast. I actually am getting people that are now telling me they're binge listening to the show and they've listened to every episode. And I love hearing from you if that's the case. And if you've been thinking about hitting me up, to have that conversation about how you do the one-on-one, -on -one, stop thinking about it and shoot me a message. It's a no-strings-attached offer. I truly want to help as many sales leaders around the world as I can. 
So here's to helping everyone beat the averages. Here's to help, here's to transforming customers from spectators to participants and helping every rep on your team learn what it means to take what the market gives and then some. It's the and then some part that's going to make you legendary to those you lead. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for sharing our show. And don't worry, just execute because we got you.